Paul said that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we are not in our sins. Awesome! Woo! Because he has risen from the dead, every believer is no longer in their sins. And the rest of our times on earth, our time on earth, is lived in complete and utter union and fellowship with God because of what Jesus did. And not because of how good we're doing or performing, but because of what he did. And we should boast in that. We're, I think we're reluctant to boast in that because we're afraid people are going to think that we just want to sin more. Or we're just happy that we're, we can sin and not have sin counted against us. But the true creation, the true new creation, the heart of the new creation didn't come to God. We didn't come to God to sin more. We came to God to find life, to find peace, to find his love. And in that reality, we can rejoice in this awesome truth that he no longer counts our sins against us. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. For whosoever believes on him, whosoever believes on him, has this awesome, abundant grace and this gift of righteousness. For, the, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe. Awesome! Woo! And that is music to the heart of the new creation. It is music. It says, worthy is the Lamb. It says, Father, Abba, Papa. It says, I come running boldly now to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. It says to the new creation that as he is, so am I in this world. That he has made me like unto himself. That he has joined himself to me. That he is the vine and I am the branches. It's music to the new heart of the new creation. It's, it's bread to us. It is meat to us. It is drink to us. It is life to us to hear this awesome reality that in this new covenant, he remembers our sin no more. He keeps no record of our sin anymore. He doesn't clean the slate. That's religion. Religion says he cleans the slate. And the next time you commit a sin, it's put back on the slate. Until you do certain things, confession, repentance, whatever, and wash the slate again clean. That's religion. That is not the new covenant. Colossians says he took the slate out of the way. He took the slate out of the way. There's no slate to write on. It's awesome. And that's what makes the heart joyful, to see this reality. Lord, we thank you so much. For helping us see these things. that you, did, you didn't just clean the slate. You cleaned the slate and you broke the slate. And you moved it away. Having nailed it to your cross. And now Lord we can rest in this incredible reality. That because you live. Our sins will never be counted against us again. For we have a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. High priest, according to the endless life of Christ himself. Thank you, Father, for this reality. Lord, I pray that every saint here and in the sound of my voice would be encouraged. I pray that today as we meet together in the, 
in the main meeting that the Spirit of God would encourage the saints and the Holy Spirit would speak through Clark and through the brothers and sisters and through the worship and everybody here, everybody by the sound of our voices would receive life. For your words are spirit and they are life. Thank you, Lord, that you've removed the veil that we can see now. We can see what grace really is. We can see what grace really is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for encouraging the saints. Thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was thinking the other day how there's a reason why there's a reason why there was a stone rolled in front of, of the tomb of Jesus. Jesus could have been buried in any way, in different ways, but there was a reason why there was a stone rolled in front of the grave or the tomb of Jesus when he died. And I started just thinking about this and, and, I, and the thought came to me, you know, the law was written on tablets of stone. And also the scriptures, the prophet says that our hearts were as stone. And he turned our stony hearts. The prophets prophesied that the day would come when God would take our stony hearts out and give us fleshly hearts. Now, that doesn't mean flesh in terms of bad flesh. But the, the comparison there is a stony heart is a dead heart and a fleshly heart that's beating with blood and it's a, a living heart. So the prophet was prophesying that the day would come when man who is dead to sin, I mean dead to God because of sin, dead to God, dead in our sin, will be made alive again. A, a new heart would be given. He would take out the stony heart and put in a, a living heart. So what God is saying, saints, with the stone. And really, if you think about it, the law written on the tablets of stone, Paul called the law written on tablets of stone, the letters of death. The letters of death in the Corinthian letter, he called the law, the letters of death written on tablets of stone, specifically referring to the Ten Commandments. That's the only law that was ever written on stone, by the way, is the Ten Commandments. You can't get around that. That is what he was talking about. The Ten Commandments are the letters of death written on tablets of stone. So, but if you think about the law written on stone, the law written on stone really isn't about righteousness. It's really about sin. It's about, because nobody could keep the law. The law was not really a blessing. It was a curse. Because if you missed one point, you were guilty of all. The law was given that sin might increase. That the transgression might increase. The law on stone was really not about righteousness. Because God knew man could never be righteous by keeping this law. But the law written on stone was about sin, really. About, about exposing sin. Through the law is the knowledge of sin, Paul wrote. Paul wrote that the law is the strength of sin, the apostle wrote. So think about that, saints. The law written on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, is really not about righteousness. It's about sin. It's about sin. It's about how we can keep the law. We couldn't do it. If you miss one, James says you miss one point, one point in the law, you're guilty of them all. The scripture says the law is the, con the letter of condemnation. 
The law is the ministry of condemnation. It's about sin. It's not about righteousness. The law is not about righteousness. It's about sin. It's about how far we fell short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The law on stone was not about being righteous. It was about our sin. And he had a stone put in front of his tomb for a reason. Because he rolled away the law of death. He rolled away sin. He rolled away our stony hearts. He rolled it away. The stone was rolled away. Saints, there was a reason why there's a, there was a stone in front of his tomb. He, rolled, he literally rolled away the law and sin. The whole thing that the law pointed to was our sin. He rolled it away. He rolled away our stony heart. And in him... A new creation arose. A new creation arose. That is not under law, without sin, and living. Hazel Parker texted me this morning. She said, She said, um, We are risen. We are risen indeed. And then in parentheses, she says, Because, of course, Jesus has risen. I like that because the early church, you know, they used to say, they would walk up to each other and say, Christ is risen. And the response for the early, from the early believers would be, yes, he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. But Hazel, in her text, was focusing on the, the reality of his resurrection for us, which is why he came. We are risen. We are risen indeed. So this stone that was rolled away, think about that, saints. He rolled away the law. He rolled away sin. He rolled away the stony heart. And a new creation arose. And God says this about, the, about Christ being a stone, Christ himself being a stone. The scripture says that the Father would lay a stone, a precious stone, a stone, a foundation stone in Zion. And all who would believe and trust in that stone would not be ashamed. And would not be disappointed. A stone, Christ himself is referred to as a stone, as a foundation. The scripture says that he is the chief cornerstone of which the builders rejected. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the stone. And the, the builders, the Pharisees, the religious people rejected it. But he's, God has made that stone everything. Daniel talks about a little stone that was a vision that... that um, Nebuchadnezzar had of this statue with gold and bronze and all of this symbolizing the, the nations, the Gentile rule of Rome and the Egypt and the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks, all of the world history. And he had a dream that this small stone came and was a stone that was not cut out by hands, the scripture says. God himself. Not of man, but of God. A small stone came and hit the bottom of this statue, hit the feet, and it cracked. And it cracked and kept cracking and kept cracking until all the kingdoms fell. And the scripture says in Daniel that that small stone became a great mountain and filled the earth. We're in that right now. We're in that awesome reality. And it's, it's really speeding up. It's speeding up. It's not that we're going to see the conversion of the world. It's not we're going to see everybody come to Christ. But what's happening, the scripture says, gross darkness shall cover the earth. But you, light, shall arise and shine in you. 
What's happening as we approach the end of this age, before his second coming, is that the revelation of Christ himself being all things, the revelation of grace, the revelation of the gift of righteousness, will shine brighter and brighter through you. The simplicity of Christ, you will begin to have more and more on your lips simply this, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. I'm in union with him. He is my life. And what's going to happen is we're going to have this gross darkness cover the earth, this great deception. But you're going to be like a lighthouse, a contrast. You'll be an awesome contrast to the, to the darkness of religion, to the complexity of religion, to the complexity of this world. And you're going to be like a lighthouse with the simplicity of Christ, simply saying, believe only. He has done it. He has rolled away the stone. He has rolled away the law. He has rolled away my sin. He has rolled away my dead heart. I am alive in him. Jesus said to, to Mary and Martha when they were talking to him about Lazarus, their brother, being raised from the dead. And they said, oh, I know, I know that he will, he will rise from the dead in the last day. I know we know that, but we're just so saddened that he died and we wish you could have been here. Because I know if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know he'll rise in the last day. But we miss him. And Jesus said, Mary. And in a sense, what he said later or after this, he said, the resurrection is not an event in the future to come. It will come when our bodies will put on immortality. But what he said was, Mary, I am the resurrection. And the life. I am what you seek for in the future. It is not an event. I am the resurrection and the life. Remove the stone, he said to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And he who was dead for four days came forth. Because he is the life. He is the resurrection. To live is Christ. He is the stone we stand on. And saints, go all in. As they say in poker, go all in on this stone. Don't trust in your own righteousness. Don't trust in your knowledge of grace. Don't trust in your knowledge of anything. Trust in Him and Him alone. See, even a child can stand on this stone without knowing all the awesome revelation that God is showing us. Just a child can stand on this stone by simple faith. To have this revelation is awesome because we can enjoy fully all that he has done and who he is and who we are in him. But it's, it's not about knowledge of life. The tree was not called the tree of the knowledge of life. The other tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the other tree was not called the tree of the knowledge of life. The other tree was called the tree of life, the simplicity of life, Christ himself, my life. It's awesome. Kathleen. Right. Keep him 
That's an awesome, yeah. Kathleen, that's awesome. That's, I forgot about that. That's exactly right. The religious people insisted that the tomb be sealed because they didn't want the, the uh, disciples to steal his body in the night and then the word would spread. They, they still didn't believe it. They just thought, we just don't want them to, to carry out this, this hoax. So it was like law itself was saying, put the stone up there. That's really good because that's exactly what it is. It's all about legalism and religion saying no, no, no to life. And of course, life won. Ah, oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yes. Tiffany. Yes. 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 That's exactly right. The Ten Commandments were on stone. Letters of death engraved on stone. And our hearts were as stone, the scripture says. And God rolled away the stone. It's, 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 it's all there for us to read and see. And to, to realize, and, and now we, we rest on this chief cornerstone. I just want to read a few, a few uh, scriptures here and, and uh, leave early today so we can get out and have plenty of time to get a seat. I know it's going to be a busy morning, Easter morning. But I want, to, I want to leave you with these thoughts. You know, last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, we talked about how it's, it's, it's good to, to think about the finished work of Christ this way. Couple in your minds, couple in your minds, the, the mystery of his incarnation, his incarnation meaning God becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh, couple that in your minds with his perfect life as one event, coming into our realm as a man and living the perfect life, couple that in your mind together, that speaks of his qualification to be our sacrifice because only God in the flesh could take away the sin of the world and only God in the flesh could live a perfect life. So couple those two things together. Then couple together his, his death and his burial. Couple those two things together. His death and his burial. When he was offered a sacrifice for us and buried, it's a picture of the blotting out of the flesh and the burial of the flesh. It's a picture of the end of the Adamic race. It's a picture of spiritual circumcision, where in that work, he actually cuts away our flesh, our body of flesh, the scripture says, and raises us up, us up from the dead in the next thing we're about to talk about. But coupled in your minds, his death and his burial, because that speaks of the flesh, the end of flesh, the end of the Adamic race. Then couple in your minds the resurrection and the ascension. The point I'm trying to make is we forget the ascension. If you couple these things together, you won't forget the ascension because it's all tied with the resurrection. The resurrection speaks of the new creation, the new life. But it doesn't end there. As he told Mary, touch me not for I have not yet ascended to my father. Right after the resurrection was the ascension. The ascension of Christ is the grand finale of Easter. It's not really just the resurrection. It's the resurrection and the ascension. Because when he ascended on high, all authority was given to him in heaven and on earth. 
the resurrection of life and the ascension. Now, consider this now, saints. You not only have been raised from the dead, but you have ascended with him. Paul makes that very clear. For we ascended with him and we now sit with him in heavenly places. As he sits on the right hand of God, the reference to the right hand of God speaks of, the, speaks of authority. The right hand of God speaks of authority. We sit with him at the right hand of God in him. We sit with him in heavenly places with his authority. The power of Easter is not only to restore us to life because we were dead. Not only to remove our sins from us and give us the gift of righteousness. But the power of Easter is in this new creation to bestow upon you the ring. The ring, sons, daughters. The ring of authority in him. The ring. The ring. How many times did Jesus say to them toward the end of his life, when this is all done, ask anything in my name. That will do it. I send you forth, he says, in my name. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Use the ring, son. Use the ring, daughter. It's my name, not your name. Not your righteousness, it's mine. Use the ring. Use the ring. I believe that that is the most neglected truth in the church. We're lucky just to get past forgiveness of sins. I mean, we're doing really good just to get past the cross. Oh, that's awesome. I'm forgiven. And we're really blessed if we get past, if we get into the resurrection of the new creation. But saints, the final piece, I was telling Judith, I really believe the final piece of this finished work is what he bestowed upon you. You have his life. You have his spirit. You have his righteousness. You have his love. You have his favor. But the crowning thing is you sit with him in the throne with his name. The bride and the bridegroom, the revelation says, shall sit together in the throne. And what's so cool about this? It's almost got to be, it's got to be the last piece because if we got that first, we'd go out crazy like the apostles in their flesh and try to call fire down on people and stuff like that. <laughs> and then Jesus, Jesus had to rebuke them and say, you know not what spirit you are of. You don't know my father's heart. You don't know, you're just working in the flesh now because I gave you delegated authority. See, he gave them delegated authority. He gave them power of attorney when they were in the flesh. And they made a, a mess of it. They were like prideful. They were like wanting to judge everybody with this new power. They were excited that demons are subject to me, me. Me, a demon ran because of me. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus said, Peter, (laughs) don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see? So it takes that new creation, that, that new nature before we can even handle this ring. But it's yours. It's yours. It's your ring.
Like the prodigal son came back, the father said, bring the ring. Bring the ring, the family ring, and put it on him. That's the word this morning for Easter morning from the Holy Spirit to us, I believe. This awesome work where he rolled away this stone, rolled away law, rolled away sin, which is what the law really was all about. The law on graves of, on tablets of stone is what I meant. What I mean by that, the law engraved on tablets of stone was really all about sin because it was speaking about how it's death and it cannot, we cannot keep it. And he rolled it away. And he rolled away the stony heart and gave us a new heart, a living heart. And in that awesome work, he gives you the ring. He gives you his ring. I just want to finish with this. This is so awesome in Ephesians. And if you, if you want to read it, that's fine. But if you want to just close your eyes and just receive and read this later, that, that'll be good too. Either way you want to do it, it's fine. Ephesians chapter 1. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the Apostle Paul. For this reason, I too, having heard of the, of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. This is chapter one, verse 15. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body for you are the full of him who fills all in all. Wow, that's awesome. You see how resurrection is tied to ascension? Far above all authority, all dominion, all power, and you have the ring. Father, thank you so much for this awesome reality. I pray, Lord, that we would begin to exercise the authority you have given the sons and daughters of God. Authority for life and not death. Authority for peace. Authority for healing. Authority for answers to prayer. Authority for comfort. Authority to resist evil. Authority to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The authority of the risen Christ, Jesus himself. Go in my name. Go in my name. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go in my name. You have the ring. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the reality of an open heaven. For an open heaven is our inheritance. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much.
And now, Lord, I bless the saints in the authority of your name. I bless the saints, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the saints. Thank you that your face shines upon them. That you have blessed them and you will keep them and have kept them and will keep them. That your peace is upon them. That your countenance has been lifted upon them. They have your grace and they have your peace. And now may the love of God and the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.